Um, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm ready to jump in. I, yeah, I'm, I just wanted to like think out loud with you two about this because you know, the echo inside my skull can get a kind of not so useful after a while. So. Yeah, totally. Um, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you don't mind, I would like to check in real quick with how we're just doing generally speaking, what's yeah. been, what's been good for you? What's been a struggle? Where, where just, where are we right now? Yeah. I, 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 I am, I am not sure how afraid I should be. Um, and I am not sure like how, how seriously this is going to descend, you know? Um, I feel like I speak to people every week and some of them are really frightened about what's going to go down and some of them are not. Uh, and I just, I, I just don't know, like, I feel like I don't know what or who to trust, what is the right information, what's the right level of information, and how all of that should govern my inner weather and also like my day-to-day -day behavior. Mm -hmm. So I feel really like vague. Like CP and I went for a walk today and he wore like a balaclava, do you know what that is? It's like a hood with like a little thing and so he had his eyes showing. And I had on a scarf that I just kind of wrapped around my face we were the only people that I saw who had anything over our faces, and there were a lot of people out. Um, and it was strange to like have to navigate around so many people, and some of them were real friendly, and some of them were like not real friendly. Uh, so it's just, I just, I, I, yeah, it feels um, vague. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting with that vagueness, I guess. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. How about you, Molly? How are you doing? Yeah, I super resonate with that. Um, I feel like I've been, you know, just because my folks are in New York and things are like so bad there and just like very like um, centrally in the media, so bad. Like I've been on the scared side of the spectrum, but I've also keep feeling like, well, this is preemptive, like everything's okay, you know, so in my body like I sh you know I shouldn't be bracing all the time for this disaster to happen I should be like present and and waiting you know waiting for things to happen but that's so hard to do when you don't know what's going to happen um and yeah we just don't know um so I'm doing okay yeah today um I spent the whole day like banging my head against this Lotus Sutra paper, <laughs> always. Um, and finally have like, I think it's almost done and I'll be able to send it in tonight, which feels like a big um, relief. Um, and yeah, just, um, the days are, the days are just going by <laughs> somehow, I guess. Um, yeah. I have been practicing yoga every day. Um, which has been really awesome. Yeah. I keep talking about that. <laughs> yes, I would love to. Yeah. Um, and I'm like craving it now and it feels really good. Um, so that's been kind of like a guiding light right now. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I have not been really good with my self care, uh, the past couple of days in particular. Um, I had some big assignments coming up. And so, you know, even though I know rational me knows that, 
taking care of myself would make me better able to deal with said assignments. Did I follow that logical advice? No, of course not. Um, and, uh, I almost had, I was just thinking like, as I, I, yesterday in particular, I had such a, it was like a, just those one of those black holes of energy days where it was like, I was like in a quarantine within the quarantine, like not returning texts like quickly and like, except for Molly, of course, but like not wanting to get like, I was like, ah, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't do that. And I'm, I'm like usually not like that. Um, and I hadn't been moving very much at all. So, uh, and even today I was like, I'm going to run, did not run, but I did follow the advice of you got to walk before you can run. And I did walk uh, nice. I took that advice very literally. Nice. today um and i having this to even look forward to has been good for me um i don't want to reveal what time of day it is but this is the the indicator that i have not showered today um <laughs> wearing this beanie so that's again level. you were wearing the beanie yeah yeah that's a that's a good code <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to tip my hand for all my future uh zoom meetings but that's <laughs> good and i did a. I, you know, I was listening to a podcast and people were talking about how important it is to create for even five minutes a day if you can create something. And I, I thought it was true. So I created uh, this little virtual background for future class meetings when I need to step away. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm highly, hold on. Yeah, I'm highly uh, invested <laughs> into what's happening. <laughs> um, wow. So... Lord. Although I forgot to screen cap the microphone in, in this one, but I think that can yeah. <laughs> work. I love this little. Yeah, I had a I had an alternate take too. <laughs> Let me pull that up real quick too. Um, but that was a little, <laughs> was a little more sullen. But that's like, really more accurate. I'm confused. I don't want to talk about this anymore. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the normal time, and hopefully my camera will adjust. That is hilarious um it, you know but speaking of that it did it actually laughter has made me feel better the past day or two finding things that actually make me feel some i don't know things that pierce through the malaise for me have, uh, been, have been good so um anyway so uh, that's that's my check-in now you know, i i yeah. think we gotta really be okay with whatever happens on whatever day you know like nothing about this is normal or usual and I I think when we have days when we just don't want to look at nobody and don't want to talk to nobody like I just think that has to be okay you know um I think if we are trying to demand of ourselves something other than just radical self-acceptance and radical compassion in this time we're just gonna flame out you know in a in a harmful way so totally. I want to affirm Every bit of like, uh, like sort of ugh, just kind of over it and like belligerence and, you know, just not interest, like, like whatever you feel like you are feeling, experiencing, I want to affirm that and like, in as much as it is within me to like permit you to be there because we just got to do that, you know? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it as like, kind of a, I'm going to, it's a very vague sense of Taoism that I, that I have <laughs> and probably not as informed as it should be, but the sense of like just riding the wave of energy for riding the wave of reality for however it is. And this has been a very wavy time for me, lots of ups and downs. And it's like, and part of that accepting is like, I'm going to ride the wave that's actually in front of me, not the wave that I wish I was yeah. riding or whatever, um, and surfing and all that stuff. But Good for you. Good for you. Anyway. This writer 
wrote an essay about being in quarantine and she was like talking about how she's finding herself comparing her quarantine to other people's quarantines. Um, and it's just like this um, expression of something that is otherwise continually happening, these comparisons, but somehow it's like, yeah, at this time you can really see those things for what they are. Mm -hmm. um, and be like, I don't need to compare this to anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Mm -hmm. So Jess, what was, um, I know you, you pinged us a little bit to talk about um, maybe, you know, we're talking, we're both in, entered a New Testament class. Um, so we've been talking about um, various aspects of life around them and bodies have come up and embodiment. And we've also been trying to make this feel relevant <laughs> to what's going through. <laughs> Um, so tell me more what you had, what, what's sort of on your mind in this, this area. Absolutely. Thank you. I was out for a walk the other day and I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? What it is to be in a body. I think about that often. And uh, I was thinking about this virus and the harm that it can create in the body, right? The body's response to this virus and how that response can, like a wave, sort of ride itself out and bodies can heal with lots of support and rest, or how bodies can deteriorate with this virus. Um, and thinking about that and how difficult that is. And uh, as, a, as a yogi, a student of yoga and a teacher of yoga, thinking about like the cooperative nature of working with the body or the combative nature of working with the body and you know, we, I, we were just reading the book of Mark in this Intro to New Testament class, and I have been blown away. I don't want to give away the, like, any spoilers, but I've just been, I've been blown away. I mean, we, like, we know how the story it's is. It's a 2,000-year-old right? book. You That's can... right. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I've just been blown away by the idea that this book, Mark, has, like, different endings in it, and that there are variations of how the narrative draws to a conclusion. Mm. That like as a, as a writer, as a storyteller, as a follower of Christ, it just, it's so exciting to me. Um, and so when I was out for this walk, I was thinking about the body of Jesus and what he felt like living in his body. And if it was a nice thing or if it was a frustrating thing and how big a role it played in the work that he was doing and the teaching that he was offering and uh, different ways that we see Jesus interacting with his own body, or we can watch him experience his body mm. at different points in his life and his journey, um, and how that lines up maybe with what we might be experiencing in our own bodies. And so I just wanted to talk with you and like think out loud with, with both of you about um, what it is to be in a body right now, uh, how, you know, we're thinking about protecting our bodies and protecting other people's bodies. And um, is, does, the, does your, do you feel like you know your body right now, right? There's this idea that uh, so many people, one in four people, I think I read, are maybe carrying the COVID virus or shedding it and not knowing that they're carrying it because they're asymptomatic. So like, how does it actually feel to be in your body? And do you trust your body? Are you working together? Are you pissed off at it? Is it doing what you want it to do? Is it not doing what you want it to do? How does that compare to a body from like 2000 years ago, like an early Christian body? Mm -hmm. How does, how does your faith show up in your body? Has that changed? Right? Like right now, is it different? You know, I just wanted to talk about bodies 
<laughs> I just wanted to talk yeah. about bodies. <laughs> um, Molly, I would love to hear a little bit more about your yoga practice. It sounds like practicing yoga on a daily is a new phenomenon for you. Is that right? Yeah, it's been, um, I've had a very like start and stop relationship with yoga for many years. Um, and I've always, I'm not a flexible person. So I'm like one of those people who's like, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And, um, or like, I can't like be a yogi. Like I can do yoga, but I'm always going to struggle. Um, and yeah, something about, um, I haven't really been able to sit still (laughs) very much like that's, um, during this time period and I have a meditation practice that's kind of fallen away. Um, and so having like a moving meditation practice, um, that I come back to every day has felt really good. Um, and I also, you know, have been just on the computer all the time. Um, and just noticing like a lot of tension. Um, I, I would say that's, um, that's the place where my body and I are um, Mm -hmm. fighting right now is just my body does not want to be doing this all day, but it is. Um, And so doing a lot of like chest openers and stuff like that is, has just felt like a a way of intentionally like addressing that. And um, yeah, it's just felt um, nourishing. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I feel like, like I've, I've been doing like yoga with Adrian videos and then sometimes just doing like a solo practice. She's great. I really yeah. like, her. and then doing your class. Um, but something, you know, I just feel like I've been, I've been getting it more than I have before in terms of like the subtle body, mm-hmm. um, and like, um, being aware of like, what the breath can do for for the body or like like for the subtle body like the awareness of of the spirit and the physical body and that connection um Mm -hmm. something has been clicking so that's been really cool um yeah when you were talking about bodies that you know because i've been reading the lotus sutra all day i was also thinking about that text and um there's this chapter that i was just reading and writing about um where basically the Buddha, like uh, one version of the Buddha has passed away and then comes, comes back (laughs) in this like a beautiful chariot um, and says like, if you open the chariot, you'll see my body. And then it's very, it's all very like um, funhouse mirror-y, like Mm -hmm. so many different Buddhas, but the Buddha's like reveal like, um, takes touches a tuft of hair white hair on his head and um all of a sudden you see like all of the different millions and millions and millions of buddhas and bodhisattvas um expounding these teachings all over the world and in all the different realms and so it's like somehow and that's the body of the buddha so somehow all of these bodies together are this one body Mm -hmm. um I was just thinking of that in terms of like social distancing and Mm -hmm. um, we're all so connected and so um, isolated right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What this conversation is just making me think of is um, how, I don't know if it was just 
I, it certainly wasn't just me, but there would be a sense of, there might be a, a, a certain, I'm not going to say it's in all of the West, but in certain pockets of the West, there's a certain disembodied nature, I think, that can come in where thinking, like thinking of ourselves primarily in, in personality and mind. I mean, but for good reason, I suppose, because there's also problems with uh, focusing too much on other people's bodies, for sure. Um, and yet, there is something, I mean, it's clear to me how much, and it, it was clear to me only starting in my early 20s, how much my body affected my mind and my soul, my spirit, um, and how much things like exercise I've always, I've felt to this day, it still feels almost dumb that exercise <laughs> works, <laughs> like, that it works on making me happier. Like, yeah. and because I, it couldn't, I couldn't connect to it before. I was like, okay, I know I should do it. Great. I have a million things I should do. Like you just put that on my chore list, mm-hmm. but it's really, it has such a huge impact on, um, on really my, it's such a huge impact on so much of my personality and mood um, and mood regulation and all that. Obviously Mm -hmm. this is well covered by many people. Um, I think spiritually speaking, it's, it speaks to um, I'm really into Richard Rohr in general, but his, uh, his description of incarnation, incarnational theology of um, there's these sort of different, he's describing there's different lenses and worldviews people generally fall into as archetypes. There's a materialist worldview, which is it's what gives us things like science and what tells us like, Oh, this is actually what's happening with the coronavirus. This is like, this is the real raw data of the situation. It's important for that reason. Um, but there is a, there can be a sense of like, that's all there is to it. That's a lot of people kind of still hold that view. And then there's the, the spiritualist view, which says, oh, this, the material plane is not the real world. The real world is this, is something else, is the, is the non-visible, the metaphysical planes, um, which they, again, there's some beautiful aspects of, it, it's like an important piece of the conversation, I think, and to, to have people advocating and reminding us like, oh, it's, we aren't just our bodies. We aren't just our matter that make us up. That's true. And then um, he also, he, he espouses to this incarnational view, which really tries to see them in harmony together and see, yes, the things that we know about science and the material world are true. We're not disputing that, but we're saying those things are infused with spirit. Those things are, and I guess I try to, I think I've, when I'm doing my best, I try to see my own body in a similar way. I'm not saying I always feel, feel that way. Um, but I think it's interesting that in, in um, the gospel of Mark and a couple other places, there is a focus there. Jesus does heal a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and there's some, there's some stuff about how they, people back then tied in your sense of virtue to your health. And so there, and there's some problematic attitudes around that too, of saying, Oh, you, you were diseased because you were sinful. I'm not backing that up. Yeah, no word. Same. same. <laughs> but there, the sense that there was like a connection between your, your body and your spirit is certainly there. And the fact that Jesus just jumps into like heal people. I mean, like that's his first reaction is, is healing wherever he goes. Um, has really, has really been a, a piece of how I try to, I, I think theology at its best is, is trying to heal people to, mm-hmm. 
in ways that don't cause additional harm because mm-hmm. a lot of our own um, healing mechanism. I was, I was just reading this thing um, in for another class um, called in the book called the healing wisdom of Africa by uh, I have his name over here, Maladoma Patrice Somme. And he was describing this conversation with a, an African shaman who they were, they were saying in the, the shaman's view, part of why the white man and his words came to Africa was really a search for healing as much for anything. It was like a maladaptive way to try to try to heal, um, try to heal itself. I'm not explaining the point well, but really he's saying it's like this whole idea that if we can view everybody as searching for healing and trying Mm -hmm. to do things to ease pain, even when they're causing us suffering, Mm -hmm. um, it might afford us more compassion to see like, Oh, they're, they're sort of was what I'm saying making any yes, sense. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, something that both of you have expressed is an idea that I also have been holding that I I learned in tantra actually, um, and I I got up and I wanted to get this book to read. This passage is from a book called Tantra Illuminated by Christopher Wallace, um, and I won't I won't read it all. But this idea of um, of everyone who is seeking healing even if the ways in which they were doing that is like a really harmful way. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And Molly, this, um, this idea of like millions of, of Buddhas <laughs> all available all, in all places across all times and all spaces in one. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just touches so many things. I'm gonna read it and then maybe describe what I, what I think it to be, just a little bit of it. Awesome. Uh, so this is, this is uh, in a little page called The View. This is in his text, just kind of a, a paragraph that tries to encapsulate what this uh, non-dualist tantric view is. All that exists throughout all time and beyond is one infinite divine consciousness, free and blissful, which projects within the field of its awareness a vast multiplicity of apparently differentiated subjects and objects. Each object an actualization of a timeless potentiality inherent in the light of consciousness. And each subject, you and I, the same plus a contracted locus of self-awareness. This creation, a divine play, is a result of the natural impulse within consciousness to express the totality of its self-knowledge in action, an impulse arising from love. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm going to try and like recap that, and I might do it really badly because it's really beautifully written, and I might just wreck it. But, um, but I'm really moved by this idea that all things created in all times and spaces are... Uh, are this divine consciousness that seeks to exist and that has been um, like encapsulated in the eye of, of someone's like small consciousness, but it is the same consciousness that wanted to experience being in that I or that you in all of us, all the time, everywhere. Um, it makes me really excited to think about existence that way um 
but it makes me really excited to think about like being in a body that way. You know, I, I've been in, in contexts where, uh, as a black woman, where I'm told that, you know, in specifically in like spiritual contexts where like my race is, is irrelevant because God doesn't see that or, um, you know, gender doesn't really matter because when we get to heaven, we're all going to be sort of these agendered, whatever, 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 like just really harmful erasing like choices that people are making in their attempt to offer me something or maybe offer themselves something. I don't really know what. Um, but so I, I am grateful to hear and bear witness to the idea that God knew exactly what they were doing when they embodied in the creation that is a black woman born in Ohio, <laughs> from Chicago, now in Boston, right? Like with the life experience that I had, like um, all of the circumstance, all of the trouble, all of the joy that has been a part of like what I know life to be has been out of, out of this God divine, like desire and affection for doing life in the shell and experience that is me and like the, the meat suit slash personality that is me. And that that same divine love and affection exists in everyone, even like the worst of us or the people that we like to hate the most. <laughs> like it's, it's that same like God consciousness that wants to experience life. Um, and it, that's that, that desire for healing is what leads these people um, such as their, their sort of vantage point of life is to do stuff that we might think is really harmful or really dangerous. But it, it's really disarming, I think, to think about folks that way because it does cultivate a sense of compassion for us. Um, and it, it really forces us to like sit with what that radical love and compassion that we're talking about means. Because it's like, you gotta have compassion for some people who are doing some really messed up stuff and, and who, who aren't capable of giving you or, or uh, returning that same compassion, that same vision, that same generosity. Like it's, it's like radical in a really <laughs> challenging way, I think. So I, I really enjoy thinking about being embodied that way. And I think that when I'm pissed, <laughs> I try to remember that. Um, and when it works, like it, it works, you know, it doesn't always work. Sometimes I'm just too angry. And that can't get through. <laughs> right. But when it can, it's really beautiful. I keep thinking, I don't know if this is, I would appreciate some uh, theological unpacking of this, but like, what about a virus? What like, about a virus? <laughs> what about a virus? <laughs> what about a virus? The virus, you know, wants to live, wants to propagate, wants to... Um, and it wants to spread yeah, yeah and and inhabit bodies mm -hmm. um and is that like an expression of what is that an expression of you know and I don't know yeah. i don't know i mean i i think like i it's a really legit question um yeah i don't know i i don't know there's something happening that we but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a challenge, man. That is a challenging, that is a challenging question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know that I, my impulse, my first instincts to tackle it where I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Cause you know, I've, I have often associated my sense of God with the 
the creative impulse with the love with the force of the thing that that propagates the thing that makes life want to spread mm-hmm. the thing that drives evolution like why the the life of life right mm-hmm. um or what molly what was the book you were the the former hds professor kaufman that you were telling me about do you know who i'm talking about what was his first name do you remember um it's gordon, okay maybe gordon somebody there's a former <laughs> hds <laughs> professor last name kaufman look it up. <laughs> Sarah, i'm putting you, i didn't mean to put you on the spot but uh, <laughs> he was i want to read his, more of his stuff because he was from what i can tell his theology is that god is creativity basically the, the theology is basically his theology which i love this as like a pretty secular weirdo you know divinity school weirdo is that uh theology is myth all the way down or no is uh, sorry is metaphor all the way down mm-hmm. um and so they call it metaphorical theology so it's mm-hmm. um in that way yeah create creativity can yeah um but 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 this is a this virus is a real challenge um maybe not as much to creativity but to the idea of life being <laughs> being yeah. god when it seems like such at odds with life um but at the same time i mean maybe i just hadn't been fully accounting things like the various competitors there are in nature um you know that are also like i keep i i'm struggling with all of these what people i see people on the internet calling these ideas eco-fascist but these ideas that like overpopulation is a problem and and perhaps like this virus is a result of our you know, destruction of the natural world. And um, there's something that's like balancing itself out, which I think mm-hmm. could, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's totally ludicrous, but I do think that then ethically we're on really shaky ground mm-hmm. um, as, as humans who care about humans, mm-hmm. other humans. And, and make also, other humans, right? Some of us do at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, also care about animals and, Right. Uh, landscapes and right. I I mean I yes I I think I think the more I am alive I feel like the more I learn that if if a an idea or an opinion or a question or maybe maybe an attempt to answer a question if it does not if it lacks nuance it is probably off base mm. and I feel like this this like to to label what you are describing just patently as like ecofascism feels off base. Yeah. Um, it feels dismissive of the the kernel of truth or the kernel of reality that may be embedded in this husk somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I also wonder if you know there are people who are frightened and hurting, and so they're labeling someone an ecofascist because this this person or this group is expressing an idea that they can't hold because they're too afraid to hold it. Right. Um, I mean, that is also very real, you know. Right. Um, right. And I think on, on the flip side of that, um, you all froze for a second for me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I heard, your, heard somebody making, uh, cleaning up dishes in the background. Yeah, a lot of background. <laughs> that out. Um, I was zooming before and my fire alarm went off. So, it was, you know, it's been a day. <laughs> Well, I lost what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I think on the flip side of that, um, perhaps uh, 
there's some kernel of truth embedded in the in the loss in the experience of of fear and and no doubt that some people who are simply like but the environment's coming back are also disregarding so yeah yeah, i think that struggle for nuance is real it's interesting to see um how people are responding to this time right because it, it is i think forcing a lot of us to move more slowly and to uh, move in smaller circles, perhaps, than we would ordinarily move, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, and I think maybe, maybe, maybe good and bad, or challenging and interesting, challenging and joyous. Um, and 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 also to see like <laughs> the ways in which capitalism is marketing on this that sometimes I find really creepy. Um, so like the the how many how many different like lists I've read of things to binge watch or um, like wait I was talking about this with Carrie Maloney actually the HDS chaplain recently how many how many different ways like there are for people to make a buck off of what we are experiencing um, and like our capacity to be still and to allow our circles to get smaller allow our pace to get a little slower or our lack of capacity to do those things. I think is really compelling. Um, I, you know, I I brought that up, I guess, just because you know, thinking about like all of the ways that we can hold this time, and you know, I think for some of us, it has a real physiological difficulty, and so it's easy for us, particularly in the world that we live in, that is so connected, right? We have the the world on the other side of our computer screen or in our pocket computers or whatever. We can go and see and do and distract with so many different devices um, that it's easy for us to bounce in and out of what we are like of, of the discomfort of this experience yes and on some days i think that is a gift because on some days the discomfort is so profound right breathing feels like it's hard to do um showering dressing like i might not wear i might wear sweatpants all day long you know um and not be mad about it, right? <laughs> Some days it feels like the things that I would take for granted as being like a functioning adult feel suddenly like incredibly hard. And so bouncing out just so I can catch my breath and like feel a feeling might be what I need to do. Um, but I also think that we live in a culture where bouncing out is more normal than not normal. Mm. And I think if we have the opportunity to cultivate a capacity to hold the discomfort even for like the length of a, an inhale and an exhale i think that i think that we are served by that and that's one of the things i find most useful about the physical practice of yoga is that at its best i think at its, in its sweet spot the physical practice uh gives us just enough physical discomfort to make us pay attention but not so much physical discomfort that we're in pain uh, that we can't breathe, uh, that we're, um, we, we might be like a little mentally, you know, heated, but we're not like physically overheated, right? Uh, you know, and I think that experience um, in the, in the yoga sutras of Patanjali, uh, the, one of the passages says that the practice of yoga should have the qualities of shtira and sukha, of steadiness and comfort, or of like power and ease. And that, that sweet spot prepares us for the difficulty of life, right? Of relationship, of loss, of grief, of fear, of anger. 
And all of that is so real. And, you know, we, we might experience all of that in the physical practice of yoga, right? I tell you to like stand on your hands or stand on your head and you flip out. Reasonable. So do I, right? But being able to do it in an environment like the physical practice uh, can help us cultivate the tools. And again, if nothing else, just the capacity to breathe that will allow us to be able to hold that discomfort without bouncing out of it quite so quickly in the, in the, the way that I think our world so readily offers us the opportunity to do. You know, a word that's coming up for me as I'm listening to this is um, harmony. Um, not a word that I would, it's not a word that Christians don't use, but I would, it's not a word I would say is like a, it's a common Christian catchphrase like grace or forgiveness or something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. But, um, when I think of like harmony and what, like even thinking about what harmony means in terms of music, right. It's like, all right, responding to what the current note is by adding a certain accent, but it's not like denying what the current musical idea is. It's adding to it and live and it's living in harmony sort of with the melody. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that, if I'm stretching this analogy or if I'm making sense here, but so like the idea of that we are talking about, like acknowledging, accepting discomfort, accepting where we're at, accepting our limitations or accepting whatever shit we're dealing with, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a lot. Right? Um, the idea of harmony is like living in harmony with that, reality but but by do you have to accept the reality of the situation and af- in some many ways affirm the reality of the situation and i mean you know i'm even thinking about like what is it you know we still have the common cold we still have the flu those are strains of viruses that have lived around in a certain weird sense we've learned to live in harmony with the common cold we've learned to live in harmony with the flu i mean granted they still kill a lot of people every year and i'm not (laughs) it might be like i might be asking a lot for people to be like can you find it in your hearts to live in harmony with our uh our our poor misguided covid um But in a certain sense, I feel like that's what we're always, maybe that's what we're trying to do. And that's what, how we were responding is like, how can we actually, and th- I mean, social distancing is a certain sense of like, we're trying to live in harmony with this new, super unpleasant reality, but it's so feeling inherently disharmonious <laughs> and so cacophonous and so unsettling. It's really, it, it's really hard for me to fully accept accept but i when i when i can accept pieces of it i do find my suffering diminishes a little bit and i do find i can shift into a more proactive creative um creative place which yeah yeah. even just thinking about that that language juxtaposed with the way this is being framed worldwide as a war that we're waging against this virus which i think you know, in some ways does have the power to bring people together, but it's like, um, you know, there's no living in harmony with it when you're thinking about it like that. I mean, I've been thinking about it like a war. Like I've been saying like, this is a wartime environment. I'm like, let me, where do I sign up? Let me rush into it, do something. But And even in wartime, people had to have to live, um, continue to live and accept and yeah. I mean, sacrifice and carry on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny how that, that metaphor, oh, like what, just the stuff embedded in that man, you know, the, the violence and the destruction 
and the unity <laughs> that all come out of that three letter word, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's real weird that this is where we've gotten to as a, as a species on this planet. <laughs> it's real weird. Um, you know, one of the things that you said, Joe, you talked about how frequently in Jesus's ministry, he was healing, right? How like right from jump, he was laying hands on people or like speaking a word to them or at them and making making them whole or making their life situation whole. And I was talking with a friend the other day and saying, and that as a teacher of yoga, you know, I'm, I'm not teaching in classes anymore. I'm teaching online and I'm only teaching online a very bit, a very little bit, which is fine. It's great. I'm so grateful to, to be doing it. Um, and because I'm teaching online, I, I have like a little postage stamp or like post-it sized view of all the students that I'm working with. And I, I have to use language to help them experience a sensation that I'd like them to experience, right? So I would like them, for instance, not to feel pain in the backs of their legs when they're doing downward facing dog pose. So I have to say, bend your knees, press your hips up, but keep your knees nice and soft. Um, and I can't take a hold of their hips and like lift them in a particular way. And, you know, in a, in a classroom environment as a teacher, I was and am, I still am, very devoted to allowing students to have control of their consent to receive touch, right? It's really important to me, particularly in a yoga space where so much is being experienced by those of us who are practicing together, that if you want to receive touch, then I will offer it to you if and when it is appropriate. And if you don't, it is your right to say so, and I will do my best to respect that. Um, and generally speaking, the only touch that I offer is to, again, to deepen a sensation, to keep you from harming yourself, or because I want you to send your breath in a particular place. Um, but I have to acknowledge the reality that like, A, not only can I not touch people right now, but B, I don't know when I will be able to touch people again as a teacher. Um, this, this has gotten into us so far that even if and when we reconvene, right? I don't want to use the phrase return to normal because I, I feel like the word normal has lost all meaning for me. <laughs> I can't even really say it. Um, but when, whenever we reconvene in public classroom spaces, I have to acknowledge the reality that people just might not be ready. Even if they say they're ready, they may not be ready. And yeah. I have to let, let the sort of warmth of bodies in space together, breathing and moving kind of open up until or unless maybe people feel like like okay please yes put a hand in the small of my back so that i can inhale and exhale and feel what it's like for my back to breathe a little bit um, but that's going to take a lot of time and more time than i know and more time than than people themselves might know and yeah holding that is is sad you know i mean i again as as fully as i can commit to people being in control of their own consent to touch I also really value being able to like communicate with students and loved ones through touch and not being able to for however long, like for the foreseeable future. That's tough. That's really, really tough. Yeah. When you said like bodies breathing in a room together, like I just had this like rush of sensory memory of like what that was like, you know, not four weeks ago you know mm -hmm. very recent but it's just feels very very distant mm -hmm. and maybe like that's where the power is maybe that will be enough it's like the moment that we are able to sit in our room you know two feet from each other and not eight feet and like inhale 
and exhale and like hear and feel the rhythm of our of our lungs of our respiratory system working together like that's huge <laughs> so like maybe maybe that will be a kind of like it, it will offer a pretty significant sensory experience for everyone who's interested in taking part and it might be like it might be so much as to be like uncomfortable like oh my god all the feelings right now you know like that can be a lot I I read something recently um, on Facebook, some psychologist was writing that it's exhausting for us to do things like this, like Zoom um, and Skype, where we can see each other. And it kind of like tricks our brain into thinking we're together, but we're not physically, you know, our bodies know that we're not together. um, So there's this dissonance that um, is, it's easier for us just to be together, obviously. Um, But, you know, I thought that was so revealing because I've been feeling so tired after Zoom. Like, what did I do? No, I just sat there and watched <laughs> my professor talk for an hour, but I'm exhausted. Um, totally. Yeah. What? Totally. Um, yeah. I'm just, just even this conversation, like Molly, I'm thinking back and I'm, I am looking forward to, I think it will be a weird time where, that there's probably going to be some students who are like, please touch me. And you're like, I, I you don't have my consent. <laughs> you know, there's going to be probably a lot of people like, I'm going to be like, oh, I want to hug everybody. Come on, go, bring it in, bring it in. And people are like, I didn't like hugging before. I still don't. Uh, but I do. I, it is going to be, we are going to have some pretty awesome reunions whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I hope, I mean, I, I it's, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely yearning, um, for some real human touch. And I, I think, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not the big, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest like, um, evolutionarily evolutionary psychology guy, but we did evolve in tribes in situations where we were constantly touching each other. We were constantly like, or we did, there's something beyond me that I don't know exactly how it all works, but we evolved being in close quarters mm-hmm. with one another, um, being in regular physical contact with one. Another. I mean, it's obviously it's a pretty simple, straightforward thing. And there's, there's just, we can't just pretend it's not going to, there's no effect from like, we can just get back to business as usual um, doing, doing this thing. And it is tiring. <laughs> it's true. I mean, the, the brain releases, chemicals like is it endorphins or something i don't know i don't know anything about how brains work i'm Clearly not a divinity school student <laughs> <laughs> section talking about science <laughs> i i took four years of biology in high school and i passed but you'd never know it from what i'm about to say but like the brain releases chemicals like good feeling ones you know when yeah. when your skin is touched and i mean so yeah i i hadn't read that molly but it makes perfect sense that that we're getting all of this interaction and it's meeting some kind of need in us. And yet like there, there's a kind of energetic pulse that we experience when we are close to someone else's heartbeat and close to someone else's breath rate and close to someone else's energy that we are not getting from this device, this, this glass, plastic, whatever these things are made of device that is sort of, it's giving us content, but it's not giving us, that sort of resonance, that that yeah. prana, um, that spirit, that that breath, you know, 
Um, it's, it's not. I, 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 have, I think I've been comforted by thinking about Jesus's body in this time. And I've been thinking a lot about death, uh, which I suppose is, I don't know, I was going to say good, but I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. It, it, is, it is interesting to me to think about death. I think about death a lot, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it in a different way lately. And um, I was on a call in a discussion section for um, one of my classes, and we were talking with a pastor who was talking about uh, pastoral care and spiritual care in the, in the age of the coronavirus and how difficult it is for people to be in isolation and to be dying in isolation. And I just wept. I, it broke my heart. It still breaks my heart to think about people who are sick and who are dying and know that they are dying and to have to be alone, right? Um, I mean, on some level, we all die alone, right? None of us will know, but each of us, what that transition is. Um, so I don't want to sound naive, but the idea that like a, a loved one might be uh, a few feet or on the other side of a doorway and just not be able to like look in the eyes or hold the hand of someone as they're making that transition out of life, just, oh, it, it breaks my heart. And I was thinking a lot about today, about what the experience of crucifixion must have been for Christ. This idea of like such naked and penetrating suffering, pain, um, torture, and, and like on, on display, right? There were people who were with him for a while and then it got too intense and they left and people who were trying to offer him something. Like I was thinking about him sort of crying out and then somebody like sticking a sponge full of vinegar on a stick and like trying to offer it to him so he would have something right. to drink. And just, um, sorry, briefly. And he says, why have you, oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? In other yes. words, why have you left me alone? You yes, know? yes. And like, what a, what a, how it is that, that even this, like, like one of the most interesting and frustrating things I think about Christianity is the idea that there was a person who like ate and slept and like defecated and, you know, had bad breath and um, uh, got crusties in his eyes and did all of the weird, creepy, gross things that bodies do and was also divine, like in, in totality, like that's, a, a magical, strange, unbelievable thing. Um, and, and, and the idea that like, even he in this weird experience of what it is to be God and person at the same time, like was just consumed by loneliness and by fear. Like, you know, his, his kneeling in the garden before he was captured and put on trial, begging God, like if, if there's, Anyway, I don't have to do this. I don't want to do this. I'll do it if it's what you want, but I really, really, really don't want to do this. <laughs> um, we all felt like, oh my God, I really don't want to do this. Please don't make me do this, you know? Um, and, and so there's something in, I think there's something I'm experiencing in, in the suffering of Jesus that makes me feel more human. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm looking at his humanity or his human existence in a way that I just never have before. Um, and it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't cheer me up. doesn't mean I'm like, oh, I can survive this or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's like I get to touch, 
I get to touch my own humanity in a deeper way because I feel like I am touching his humanity in a new way, if that makes any sense. It does. It's really beautiful. Thank you. I feel it. Yeah. And like the story, the story of Christ, um, you know, not all of us on this call are Christian, but right. <laughs> you know, the story of Christ is, would be that, 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 that human suffering that is, that's also God suffering with us. And so it's like that sense of if, if our definition of God is going to be something like creativity, mm-hmm. um, just thinking about how even the creative impulses and suffering, even the force of life is in there in our darkest hours and our suffering and our, in our loneliness, that there still is a heartbeat of the divine, um, still present and and it doesn't i remember one of my favorite sermons i heard was on like a christmas eve service um back in all saints pasadena um i can't remember the rector's name um but he's uh he was talking about how you know there's a christian hymn like silent night um, that's classic silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And it's like sleep in heavenly peace. And he was just like, <laughs> he was just dunking on that hymn. He's like, it was not a silent night. This was not a holy night. You know, Mary was like giving birth in like this terrible time and kind of like a, in like this terrible environment, this terrible circumstance. It was messy. There was like, you know, there, <laughs> there was fluid everywhere, yeah. <laughs> like gross. It was in pain, et cetera. But the, the, but God was in that moment. God's in the chaos with us. God is in this. Um, and I, I think I can, I think I can still hold that even without needing to hold a, an anthrop, like an anthropomorphic God mm-hmm. um, in my own mind. But. Well, yeah, I mean, or, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Mom. I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about this, um, like, consciousness full consciousness Mm -hmm. consciousness expressing itself understanding itself through each of our individual um, bodies and experiences and Mm -hmm. um yeah just really moved by the thought of jesus thinking please don't make me do this Mm -hmm. because yeah that's just like the most relatable feeling especially right now i've been having that feeling of like please let it be anything but this, let, you know, just like wagering and bargaining and just these, and I, I don't even like, you know, would on a, on an average day to, you know, call myself an atheist. And of course in suffering, we're all believers and we're all bargaining um, with some anthropomorphic higher power. <laughs> um, but yeah, just something about that, the connection between those two images, like the, um, consciousness that wants to understand and express itself through each body and that like naked experience of suffering is somehow part of the experience of that body um, and in that way holy or um, just you know an expression of life it, yeah yes that's it exactly that's and and I think to your point like there, there is creativity even in destruction. Like even, even in, I mean, in a, God, that's so easy for me to say. I, that's so easy for me to say. Um, but I don't, I'm, I still mean it, you know? Um, and that, that, that even in the midst of, of like abject fear and, and profound suffering that like 
that that is a holy experience, right? Um, it's I and I I, <laughs> I was I was telling someone about this. I I there's a, a there was a German um, like Sanskrit scholar, Hindu scholar named uh, Georg Feuerstein. And I read a book that he wrote about Tantra and he was talking about having root canal, which is like, I mean, I have a thing about teeth anyway. They kind of creep me out, gross me out. Like, I don't want to talk about teeth. When I go to the dentist, the dentist tries to like stick a camera in my mouth and like show me my teeth. And I'm like, I don't want to see that. I'm good. <laughs> um, so like teeth is like a creepy thing for me in the first place. But so he was writing about this experience about having this root canal and like being in just profound discomfort and trying to allow the goddess to like be in that experience like be in his mouth and be in that discomfort and like that the fullness of his experience like awful as it was was a kind of ecstasy mm. um, because it was so thorough and so like so full um, and I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> so like, let us try to find not the good, but like the presence, mm -hmm. even in the most of whatever, right? Wow. Because it be, because it, it is there, or it may be there. And so if we can, if we can have it, then at least we have it, you know, it, we are with it. Yeah. It is with us. And that's, that's a gift. That's a thing. I think that's a beautiful thing to end on. Um, well said, Jess. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for reaching out and wanting to do this. Um, do you have any, we, we, let's, let's do a quick plugs. If you have any, not, <laughs> not for yourself per se, but I mean, people right I on, right on. know where you go. Um, but like, is there any resource or something that you found recently that feels like, Oh, I've really wanted to share <laughs> this thing. What a great question. Um, I mean, I suppose the thing that I have been, doing most recently that I find to be really helpful is the, the practice of just like writing. So like I, I am, I'm writing a lot and so, some days I'm just like writing what's on my mind or, you know, it's word school, right. Which is good and also completely unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but we're in school. And so I have these assignments that are feeling really generative. Some of them, some of them just feel like work I have to do to finish my classes. Um, so I'm writing a lot, but I'm, I am also, writing over and over and over and over and over again, particular phrases from texts. And I'm finding that to be really, like Molly and I talked about this because it was a practice that I offered in our contemplative prayer class. And I'm finding that to be really resonant for me. So if there's, uh, I guess I would say, like if there's anything that you're reading that feels like, oh, you read a sentence and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, zip, like an arrow right into my chest. Like take that phrase, and turn to a blank page and just write it word for word over and over and over again and just see what happens. See what happens inside your head, see what happens to your body, see what happens to your breath. There is no right, there is no wrong. It could be pretty, it could be ugly. Just write it and just see how it feels. That practice for me has been so healing and it, it, has, it has had a physiological effect on my body. Um, so like, that's what I would offer. That's my plug. Awesome. thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did when I did it, I really was like feeling like it was regulating my nervous system. And yeah, there was just something about being able to to think the phrase again and again and express it physically in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, that was just, yeah, it was great. It's, so. it's called Lakita Japa, L-I-K-I-T-A, 
J-A-P-A, Lakita Japa. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Molly, did you have anything to offer? Or? Um, oh, yeah. Um, I signed up for something today. Um, I can, I don't know the link or I can, I can send it and we yeah. can, it, but um, it was like a adopt a grandparent um like (laughs) portal so basically you just like write your interests um who you are and then apparently they're going to match me up with a senior who's isolated right now Um, so it just like it felt like such a good way you know I've been struggling with how to connect and how to like feel like I'm contributing something um, while also wanting to be really like self-protective and in um, social distancing and really abiding by that. Um, and, and so, yeah, hopefully um, I'll, I'll be able to talk to somebody and um, yeah. Be posted. Um, awesome. As adopt a grandparent. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we can link it. Uh, I don't know the exact yeah, yeah. organization. Um, my only thing to share, um, which I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to refer to it, but I don't want to describe it and ruin it. Um, is an old P Holmes is one of my favorite comedians. And, uh, there was an old thing he had on his podcast from years ago uh, on, you made it weird where he relates this chicken song. Um, I just, so Google P Holmes, you made it weird chicken song. There's a YouTube video. It's about eight minutes long. Um, I don't want to give it away more than that other than it is really sacred, silly shit that <laughs> was so, but the way that he's talking about it and frames it in the, the context of how it like came up for him in his life, like seven, eight years ago or whatever, it was so poignant for our present moment that it was like both making me like laugh <laughs> so hard, but also like, oh yeah, I, like I need to laugh too. And mm. it's, there's something really important in that. Yeah, so that ministry at one point in that question. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Nice. Nice. Um, anyway, Jess, thank you so much. It's so oh. great to see you. I wish I could touch you, <laughs> but thank you so much for this conversation. I just like, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the space to think with these, think about these things with you. I, I, I am at my best thinking out loud in community. So if I can't be in the room with you too, like this is, this is, this is good. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye.